Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Strive for Strength podcast. I'm your host, Kendall Strample, otherwise known as Fears to Fit, and I am a fitness and business enthusiast, and I'm bringing you the stories of not only myself, but other incredible human beings to help educate you on all things personal development, business, health, and mindset, so that as millennials, we can mobilize our generation and rise. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. On today's episode, we have an incredible guest. His name is Stefanos Safandos. Incredible name, right? But an even more incredible man with an amazing message. He is a teacher of healthy masculinity, and this stems across all relationships. His work is aimed to assist individuals in actualizing the fullness of their potentiality to relate consciously to each other with authentic love. So in this episode, what we talk about is relationship building, communication, and how when you're trying to build and balance a healthy lifestyle with the two of those, you're able to do that. So there's so much insight into exactly what a relationship dynamic can look like and how you can communicate across while you're still trying to balance a healthy lifestyle as well as other things in your life. So I am so excited for you guys to get into this episode and listen to what Steph has to say. So without further ado, let's hop into it. And one last thing, I just have a few questions for you. So do you find that you're tired of just fighting for a healthy relationship with food in your body and to just balance your nutrition while, you know, still eating the foods you love? Well, trust me, I hear you and I've been there. And that's why through creating my own transformation, I have actually created Transform for Life, which is my 12-week one-on-one coaching program to help women conquer their mindsets and build a body they love while still eating the foods they love. Now, for this program, I do only take clients on every three months and enrollment is open right now. So if you're ready to take action and you know that you are an absolute hell yes to this, starting off your new year the right way, then be sure to check the description box down below to apply to set up a call with me to make sure you're a good fit for this program and obviously that the program is a good fit for you. So now without further ado, let us get into today's incredible episode. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Strive for Strength podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode because we have an absolutely incredible guest. His name is Stefanos Stefandos, and I recently found him through another podcast, and looking through his page, it was something that I was really able to relate to, and I think what a lot of you guys are going to be able to relate to as well, and I'm really excited for today's episode. So, Steph, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much. It's, it's a real honor and a pleasure to be here. Cool. Well, I would love if you could explain a little bit about who you are, Steph, and um, what you do um, specifically. Yeah, of course. So I'll start with, with what I do and my service in the world. And where, where that came from is a longer story, but if, if we happen to dive into that, then we will. And if not, that's not a problem, of course. But essentially what I'm deeply passionate about and inspired by is making the unknown known, bringing the unknown closer to us instead of it being so far away so that we cease to wallow in this doubt and this fear that comes from being in doubt and being in not understanding life. Well, because when something's close to us, when we understand who we are and when we begin to know ourselves and connect to the truth of who we are, we begin to find reprieve and create spaciousness within ourselves. And in that spaciousness, we can be creative, we can be free to express, we can be free to be ourselves. So essentially, 
really assist people in helping themselves to be seen by themselves, helping themselves to feel that they belong to something that is worthwhile that they can also be inspired by. You know, this is a basic primal drive within us that really guides the, the way we relate to ourselves, the way we relate to others. And so when we begin to align ourselves with our truth, we become empowered and we begin to live a, a truthful, authentic life, a life that is really at the core of who we are and how we wish to express in the world. And so my focus, I've found that relationships are massive catalysts for transformation and how, how we can live a, an amazing life. And so when I, when I say relationships, I'm very specifically speaking to intimate romantic relationships, but also our relationships to ourselves, our relationships to ideas, our relationships to what we are really inspired by, our relationship to ideas, our relationship to our own philosophy of thought and the way we move through the world. And so when we create health and clarity and cleanliness in the way we relate to things that matter to us, we live our true selves. And so I'm not really doing anything different to what other coaches or mentors or, or practitioners are doing in the space of human performance or human development. It's just that we all express that in a slightly different way. That, that's all. But essentially the goal is to merge what we know and just create something fucking magnificent as individuals and as a collective and really help us and people understand that there is a unity that permeates our existence. And when we really realize that we cease to come from segregation and separation and fear, and we really begin to come from a place of connectedness and love and creation, we build more rather than burning because we're all very good at self-sabotaging or coming from fear. And it's a primal instinct within us. But when we sort of understand that it doesn't need to be that way, we can just create magic in the world. Well, it's not really even magic. It's really just who we truly are. Wow. I absolutely love that. And you know, Steph, one thing that really drew me into your page that um, I thought was incredible was you have in your bio where it says teacher of healthy masculinity. So mm -hmm. I would love for you to speak a little bit more about that because I think um, it's kind of one thing that's misconstrued or just not even really understood nowadays um, as far as it goes with the difference between, you know, your inner masculine and feminine self. Yeah, this is, this is a massive... Um this is a massive area. And so, so to unpack, I'd love that you've asked that question right off the bat. Like <laughs> to, un, to unpack this is, is so, so immense, right? And so I love this, I love this subject. And so what does it mean to be a healthy masculine man? Or what does it mean to be in our masculine? And so the first thing I generally do is I, I look at our masculinity and I define it by what it is not. So I define it apophatically. So I first say, and I look at masculinity, I look at what it means to be a man. And I say, Does, is this working for us? Is this, is this actually serving us as people, as men? And so traditionally, men have been isolated and isolating. They've isolated themselves through isolating practices and through isolating behaviours. And so we've oppressed and we've treated, this is traditionally speaking at a collective level, we've treated ourselves and we've treated others with deep disrespect. If you're not a man, then you're not as worthy as what it means to be alive as men are. And so this is, again, a very complex socioeconomic, sociocultural construct. But if we just strip it right back and we look at what, it, what does it mean to be a man, we've been very angry and aggressive traditionally. 
we've been very oppressive, we've been very controlling, we've been very autocratic. And to me, that's not what man is about. And so man and masculinity has become tainted. And so we hear this term that floats around toxic masculinity. There's two, there's two camps. And for me, toxic masculinity is just unhealthy, extreme behavior. That's it. But what happens is if we focus too much on this toxicity and masculinity, we're tainting every man with, with a bad thought or a bad or a negative approach. And that's not the case. There are many great men and good men out there many healthy men out there that come from a balanced perspective, what it means to be balanced in life. And so healthy masculinity means treating ourselves with reverence and respect, adhering to our worth and our value, not being or defining ourselves by what we do in the world, by our titles or by how others perceive us. And this is a human thing. This isn't just a man thing. But generally we define ourselves by what we do, what we have, and how others perceive us or see us. And this is a masculine construct. Doing is a masculine construct. It's a masculine expression. All human beings have it. All sentient beings, conscious beings have it. It's doing. Without doing in the world, we don't create. Without creation, we can't actually be, be who we truly are meant to be. So doing is essential, but it's a masculine trait that both women and men have within them. If we're just looking at binary gender, just to be simple for a moment, not to negate any other form or expression of gender type. So we look at this and we, we, we are in like a doing world. Like when you look at society, especially Western society, you know, if we don't have a good job, if we don't have a lot of money, if we don't have affluence, if we don't have power, if we don't have a title, we're sort of not worthy. Like we're not enough. Like we're not good enough. And so we're constantly striving, trying to do more, trying to gain more, trying to achieve more, ensuring that others see us in the light that we wish to be seen. And we're almost constantly chasing our tails. So men, because men are generally more masculine, per se, they are stuck in this vicious cycle of doing. And if they're not doing, they're not good enough. And so then what we do is we leverage our physical prowess or our physical strength and we apply it in the world in a negative way through aggression or through oppression, whether it be emotional or physical aggressive, aggressive behaviour and so forth. And now I'm simplifying something that's very complex, right? And so I don't, and I don't mean to, I'm not doing it complete justice, but I hope we're starting to get a picture here of, of what unhealthy masculinity is. And so a healthy masculine man is someone that can connect to the fullness of who they are. A healthy person is someone that can connect to the fullness of who they are. They can look at their past pains, their past wounding, their past trauma. They can look at who they are today. They can look at who they really truly want to be. They can look at being, who can I be in a, in a real way? What do I really want from life? And what we really all want from life is to be connected. What we really all want from life and with life and, and in our relationships is to be seen for who we truly are, to not be judged, to not be critiqued, to not be ostracized. This is a neural primal drive, but it's also a, a social drive as well because we're pro-social beings. Like we, we're relational beings. We, we love to spend time with others. We learn through each other. And so nobody wants to be neglected. Nobody really wants to be isolated unless we have some form of a pathology or a, um, a, a, a damage in our, in our physiology, in our brain physiology and so forth. We all wish to be seen and connected to and we all wish to be loved and we all wish to give love. And so we've negated that so long as men because it's, been, it's seen as, well, that's not tough, that's not strong, you're not a man. If you show emotion or if you show tenderness or kindness or compassion, which are tra traditionally feminine qualities or traits we're not men so as a society and as individuals we've suppressed that we haven't been taught how to express that as if we don't have a limbic system which which regulates largely our emotional control in, in our brain our emotional faculties our motive faculties 
but we do have a limbic system and we do wish to be seen and we do wish to give love. So healthy men begin, being a healthy man begins with having or carrying emotional fitness, emotional intelligence, being able to emote, being able to express our emotions, not blame and shame and externalize that, being able to take ownership for who we are, who we've been as a collective, who we've been as individuals, what we care about, what's important to us. And then being able to express that, being inclusive and sustainable in our gestures is a massive part of what I teach in terms of healthy masculinity. And I'll, and I'll break that down. Inclusive means not being hyper-selfish. In other words, considering others when we take action and when we speak or when we communicate or when we express in the world. And sustainable meaning, are our actions sustainable? Like, can we really sustain this action long-term or is it going to hurt us? Like, there's, there's a ton of science that demonstrates that if we are consistently angry or releasing stress hormone or cortisol as an example cortisol or adrenaline in our bodies consistently because we're always angry or frustrated which not all men but so many men tend to be that is very bad for our physiology like over time that affects our brain it affects our hippocampus it affects our liver it affects our heart it affects our blood clarity it affects who we are physiologically emotionally psychologically relationally so the science that demonstrates this. And so when we come out of that and step into compassion, step into this sustainable way of behaving that actually doesn't hurt our health, we feel better about ourselves. Like you're massively into health. And I love that. I love that you use the physical body. So, so do I. Use the physical body as a catalyst for deeper transformation and intrinsic value. Like just having a healthy vessel is so important for our growth and for the way that we connect to others because we don't have the physical stress of having to be healthy or see the world in a healthy way. And so when, we, when, when that's just naturally taken care of, especially as men, we can actually relate in a healthy way. I'm going to stop talking there because I feel like I've spoken too much. So <laughs> I'm going to have a breath. But is that, is that, does that answer your question to some degree? does and it actually opens up for something that I was really excited to talk about you mentioned one word that really stuck with me and it was um, being hyper selfish and mm. one thing that I was very very interested in and I think a lot of the audience as well stuff is you know with me and a lot of my following being wildly interested in pursuing a life of health and fitness I've found mm. for even myself um, and just my background for those a lot of you guys know but um, I suffered with an eating disorder um, mm. in my teen years, and I found that I became very hyper selfish. I feel like a lot of my more masculine traits came out um, throughout that time period. And I feel like whether or not you know it be you are just looking to pursue a healthy lifestyle, um, being hyper selfish is something that sometimes comes along with that, and we don't mean for it to. Um, so if you could kind of speak a little bit into how you found you know really finding a good balance with stepping into a healthier lifestyle and still being able to balance that and nurturing other relationships? Yeah, that's a, a great question. So I've, I've, I, there's this concept I've coined per se, and I call it selfish selflessness. And it's, it's on par with enlightened self-interest. Um, and it sort of goes a little bit beyond that. And so what it's about really in relationship is paying very close attention to ourselves and others, the needs of others simultaneously. Now, before we can get to that point, because it's actually really challenging to do, before we can get to that point, we need to be able to look after ourselves in a healthy way. And we need to really stop seeing that looking after our health, whether it be our emotional health, our physical health, our relational health, psychological health, whatever it may be, is actually a selfish thing. 
it becomes hyper selfish when we hurt others in the process or we deliberately hurt others in the process or we don't give a thought or a mention or a care for others with respect to the action that we take in our lives. But looking after our health, we have to get out of this mentality that looking after our health is a bad thing. And because we're bound to hurt others in some capacity because not everybody will be happy with who we are. Now, I remember when I was in my 20s, in my early 20s, in my teens, I wanted to make everybody happy. Like I remember... I would, I would do anything and everything to make everybody happy because I had, I had really low self-worth and my sense of self and my self-esteem was really low. And so I was insecure in the way I moved through the world, even though I had amazing friends and um, family life was really tough, um, but growing up, the whole way growing up. And so I developed insecurities and low self-esteem from my, my past childhood traumas that I had experienced. But at that time, I wasn't completely aware of that. And so what I would do is to gain love, I would sacrifice my own health and my own needs and I would give and give and give to others. And then there was even a time when I would be really hyper selfish and give to myself and only myself and, and would completely forget about others. And so that, that wasn't fun for me. There wasn't a balance. There was too extreme. And sometimes as humans, we have to sort of go in these two extremes to really figure out what's right for us or find that balance point. And so it wasn't until I did that deeper work in myself that I started looking at why am I behaving in extreme ways? Like, why am I really looking at life in such an extreme way? And so when I started to ask that question, because when we ask quality questions, we, we, we live a quality life, ultimately. So I, I started asking those questions and I started looking back at my past and, and looking at you know, some of my wounding, my traumas and my belief systems. And this isn't the case for everyone. For the vast majority of us, though, how we behave in our adult life is a product of what we've experienced and how we've interpreted those experiences as a young person. And so I started looking at why am I, why am I giving to others at my expense? Like I'm literally suffering. And no one's really caring because I was coming from this, this needy place and I was overgiving, so to speak. And so I wasn't looking after myself. And so when I began to understand why and then look deeper into that, I became liberated from the need to not look after myself. And I sort of stopped caring what people thought. It doesn't mean I stopped caring about people. It doesn't mean I stopped caring about those that mattered to me or even a stranger on the street. It didn't mean I didn't have compassion. It meant that the, opinion, the opinions of others mattered less to me than my opinion. And so when I was able to do that, I found that I became... Of, I, I connected to greater respect and reverence within myself. And so others could then see that and they would then respect me more as well. And I didn't have to do, I didn't have to give so much. I just had to be me. I just had to come from a place of love and kindness and compassion, which is a basic human endeavor. And that in and of itself was me taking care of me. So if something didn't serve me, I wouldn't sacrifice myself consistently. I wouldn't hurt my health to ensure that someone else's happiness was there. I didn't prioritize someone else over my own internal values. And so that's really important when we, when we, as we're growing up, as we're evolving into adulthood, as we're just evolving into newer versions of self every day, every month, every, every year, is to really look at ourselves and ask, where is the behavior coming from that seems to be causing me a lot of pain? Wow. And I think, you know, too, when it comes to us kind of that self-discovery and asking ourselves those questions that we have, 
um, speaking into more of the relationship side of things, you know, mm. with us trying, trying to figure out ourselves and be in alignment with ourselves. Now, when it comes to being in a relationship and you're trying to find that alignment and, you know, maybe you are with someone or you have either, whether it be a friendship or intimate relationship, how would you really go about communicating it with that other person that, you know, you're, you're in that headspace and that's kind of where you're working right now? Mm. It's a great question. It's for me, the only way to be able to communicate it clearly is when we understand it ourselves and we know our, we have our why. And we, we are clear that we're not coming from a place of disillusion or complete pain, but we're coming from a place of healing. We're coming from a place of connectedness. And so what we often do is we cease to communicate our truth because we think that when we speak our truth, we're either going to hurt others or worse to the ego, to the self, to the small self, is that we think that what we say is going to cause us to be ostracized out of the, the, the group. So we were going to get put into the out group and we're no longer going to be in the in group. We're no longer going to be loved. We're no longer going to be respected. We're no longer going to be appreciated. So instead of saying something that we think may hurt someone or may upset someone or rock the apple car, we don't say anything at all. And what happens is this compounds and this becomes unhealthy for us. And un unexpressed, repressed emotion or repressed feeling or repressed thoughts becomes, it, it transmutes into physiological issues, health issues. And so understanding this and knowing that better out than in with coupled with attention and deliberate intention to not hurt others, but to just speak one's truth and understand that sometimes people are going to get upset. Like we have to develop a form of resilience, like emotional and relational resilience and toughness as well. That's very important. That comes with time, but it comes with practicing speaking truth. And you know, more often than not, honestly, the more I've spoken my truth, the more people have gone, Oh wow. I'm so happy. You've told me that. That makes me feel so much better. And what I thought with the stories that I was creating in my mind about what I thought may happen, I couldn't be further from the truth. But I've learned that the hard way. I've learned that going through it. And so with the mentors that I have and, and what so many amazing mentors teach me is how can you speak your truth, not attached to those stories in the mind and come from a place of love and compassion. And so it, it, a lot of it comes in the delivery. Like because we, sometimes we come from fear, like we deliver abruptly and we deliver from a place of directness and, and blame and shame, which is externalized. Instead of just sitting down with someone and saying, I really love you. I really care for you. Please understand this. And there could even, if there's, if there's a, if there's a dynamic of physical touch or physical touches in place, like speak the other person's love language or speak their erotic blueprint or speak, communicate in their personality language as well, how they wish to be received. Maybe it's speaking to them in a way that is gentle. Maybe it's writing them a letter. Maybe it's taking them out and being of service to them and helping them then create space in their own mind where they can receive the truth that you're saying. And this isn't, this isn't manipulation. This isn't trying to get your own way. This is you trying to express your truth so that you optimise the way that the other receives it and not being attached to how the other person receives it. That's a key principle. Like if you come from a place of love and endearment and you come from a place of truth and respect, you cannot be attached to how others receive your truth because otherwise you'd go stir crazy and you'd never speak your truth. And so when I really realized that, 
I, I, I grew tremendously. And I'll give you a direct example. So in my, in my past, in my previous adult relationships, um, not all of them, but the vast majority of them, as a man, I was unfaithful. I was disrespectful. I, I hid the truth. I wasn't honest in who I was. And I consistently hid that from the women that I was with, my partners. And so a few years ago when all of that changed for me and I made a decision to be a very clear man, to, to really define what it meant to be a healthy masculine man, and I, I went on a journey that was very different to what I'd lived previously. And so I had to make a decision about, well, I want to be truthful because for me, the truth doesn't set, set us free. The truth gives us facts and the truth gives us a foundation. And then when we act from that foundation, that's what true freedom and liberation is. The truth provides us with an opportunity to be free. And so I wanted to be truthful completely with who I was. And so as an example, meeting my, my fiance that I'm with now, Christine Hassler, I, from the get-go, immediately, I told her who I've been in my past, what I've done, who I am today, my whys, what inspires me. I didn't tell her just only negative. I was just completely honest with everything that I was that's contributed to who I am today as you see me. That's the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it may be. And I came from a place of heart and compassion and I explained myself clearly. I was very, I was completely honest. Mary's redundant. I was just completely honest. I owned all of that. And I wasn't attached to how she received me because if I would be attached to that, then I'd always be in fear of telling people because I'd be fear, I'd be fearful of being judged. And if we live in that paradigm and we live in that place, we're in a state of repression and that's unhealthy for our, our bodies and our minds and our relationships. And so when I was just purely honest with her, because she's done such deep work herself, she's such a beautiful enlightened human being herself. I'm very blessed to have her in my life. She received that exactly as I presented it, which was, this is who you've been, part of, only part of who you've been. I accept that. I see your honesty. I see your truth. I see who you are today because of those experiences and many more. And I honor and admire that. And so the judgment actually wasn't there. But I came from a place of truth. I wasn't attached to an outcome. I came from a place of respect, knowing that it could be a sensitive subject for any human being, particularly women. But that's just overtly for any human being to be, you know, deceitful and dishonoring and disrespectful and unfaithful. That's that, that really strikes chords. And so, but again, years ago, I went back and I looked at the reasons why that behavior was taking place. What was I avoiding? What was I deeply fearful of? What was I not looking at? And so having explained that and really articulated that and, and that being physical in my presence, because I've, I've been working on it for so long, she didn't judge me, then that's powerful because now we are able to be in a place where we can speak our truth and not be judgmental in a harsh, critical way because the brain's always going to compartmentalise and judge, so to speak. But we know that we can keep coming back to because we know who we truly are because we express that very honestly and openly. Does that respond to your question? I love that. And I, I did have kind of something extending on to that obviously you're mm. very fortunate with your fiance and um i think speaking to a little bit of um my audience as far as it goes with the communication aspect of things you know a lot of personal development has obviously put forth for you and um with it you know some relationships kind of being one-sided on the personal development side 
do you think that there's a certain way that you should maybe invite your partner or invite the other person in the relationship to work towards those same things so that not only you're communicating on your behalf, but they're also doing the same thing? Mm, it's a beautiful question. Having agreements in place with respect to how you communicate to each other is, is paramount and, and so important. Really knowing your partner. Like, so Christine and I, what we did was we, we, we had a relationship over, essentially over WhatsApp for a few months, um, for a couple of months before we even physically met. And it was, it was, a, it was a very deep um, relationship. And we were really getting to know each other at so many different levels outside of the physical because we were thousands of miles apart. And so we got to know each other. And really, this is so simple, but it's so effective. So I suggested to Christine, I said, Christine, I really, there's something, I'm feeling something here. And uh, I'm, I'm fairly connected to my body and, and to my mind. I'm really intuitive with what I'm feeling. And so I want to get to know you deeper. And there's, obviously, there's a massive story to this, but I'll just, I'll stick on this, on this portion. And so I said, how about we do this? How about we ask ourselves each other questions? So I'll ask you five to seven questions. You answer them either via a voice note or when we talk, because we're talking basically every day. Um, and then I'll answer those same questions so we get to know a little bit about each other. And they can be deep questions, they can be funny questions, they can be whatever it may be. Like we were asking very deep questions of each other and also fun light questions, getting to know who we truly were. And we were doing this basically on a daily basis. So my point of, of this is, is that we, we don't ask questions these days. Like we, it's just like we, we remain in the superficial, like, oh, what's your job? And where do you live? And where, where are you from? And, you know, what are your hobbies? And these are great questions, by the way. I'm not, I'm not discounting these questions. And we need to go beyond these questions because they give us insight into, we start compartmentalizing and saying, oh, is there suitability here? Is there values alignment here? Yes, there are. Now, so let's start going deeper. How do you deal with pain? What's the most fearful thing you've experienced? What really makes you belly laugh? Now, where do you want to be in 10 years' time? Again, I'm giving some basic yet can be quite profound examples of questions. And so we, we ask each other hundreds and hundreds of deep questions. And so when you get to know your partner, and you get to know that person that you deeply care about, and they get to know you, it doesn't become a matter of how do we navigate this. You just know how to navigate it because you know who your partner is and you know what their needs are. You know what their needs are when they're in pain or when they're experiencing fear. You know what some of their greatest pain points are. You know what not to speak to in certain, in certain times. Like, I know that when Christine is deeply immersed in something related to work or her service, like if I'm consistently asking her questions or asking her something about, you know, what's happening tomorrow or what about the car or whatever it may be, she's not going to be able to receive me. And not that what I'm asking is less important or what she's doing is more important. It's that she's in a vortex of something. And because I know that because I've asked questions and I've observed, I've paid attention. I know when the optimum, optimal times are to say, hey, I'm in, I'm in this, I'm doing this course. Let's go back to your original question. I'm doing this course and the teaching here is, is, is fucking amazing. And I would love for you to do this as well. Let me, sh when, when you have a moment, have you got, got 10 minutes now or, or, or whenever it is, let me really show you what this is about. And I'd love if you're open to that. And so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm speaking really honestly and openly. I'm giving her an opportunity to let me know when she's fully open and able to receive the information I'm giving her. And the thing is, one of my highest values is growth. One of Christine's highest values is growth. I, I, if that wasn't, if health, health is another one, by the way, health for us is a massive value. Growth is a massive value. Relate, sacred union and willingness is a massive value for us in our relationship. 
like complete commitment. And so we know this because we've asked questions, we've observed, we've been very attentive to that. If you don't have value alignment in, in growth, for example, you, you and your partner are potentially going to struggle because you're going to want to grow and expand massively. And if your partner's not, that's going to be troublesome. And you, no matter how well you communicate that, if that's a pain point or a sticking point for you, it's going to bother you. If it's not a sticking point and you see beyond that and you see there are other values that you're deeply connected to and aligned with, then it's okay. But value alignment, so asking questions and observation. And they're the three biggest things. Asking questions, really getting to know your partner. Attentive observation, like sincerely wanting to observe your partner. And the third one is value alignment. Figure out what the values are. What are your, having values of growth, mutual values of growth is so important for personal growth, personal development. It's, it's so imperative. It doesn't mean you have to love the same things, but you're both willing to grow. They're the three, they're the three points I would be looking at in terms of how do you grow together in a relationship? Values alignment, asking questions, attentive observation. Wow, that's incredible. And that was actually um, asking my audience one of the biggest things that they asked. Um, so I'm so grateful that you answered that. And, you know, one other thing that I just, I kind of wanted to touch base on was, you know, obviously with even how I found you, Steph, was through social media. Um, so nowadays, that can have a huge impact on relationships that we build. And a lot of people let that dictate um, where their relationships flow to, whether it be intimate or, you know, a friendship. Um, so if you have any word of advice or some kind of actionable takeaway for anybody who lets others, whether it be family members, friends, or even social media dictate the kind of rules and regulations of their, of their relationship, do you have anything that you could speak to on that? Yeah. Can I, is it okay to ask, uh, how are you, could you reframe the question? So just so I can understand it uh, just clearly, could you ask the question in another way for me, please? Yeah, of course. So a lot of times, and I think this speaks to the millennial generation, mm. they let outsiders influence what happens within the relationship. Mm. And they... Give me an example, please. Um, so, um, you know, whether it be you had a small small argument with um, mm. your your intimate your significant other yes you know a lot of the times we'll go to close friends or um kind of vent even in a caption on social media I <laughs> and they easily let other people influence got it how they go from there so we yeah. let's speak on on kind of how absolutely to yeah, totally get the question now thank you for that example i appreciate it. it's a really great example and so <laughs> So what we, what we look at is so understanding the human psyche, understanding us as human beings really clearly. Firstly, we're always looking to be validated, whether we're wanting to be validated by ourselves, but, but, particular, but particularly by our in-group, by our social group. And so when we have a low sense of self-worth and a low sense of self, so when we're esteem, we're, our, our esteem is low, our self-worth is low, we need more external validation. So we want, to, we want to know, the ego wants to know that it's right. And so we go out and whether it be, you know, we ring up a friend. These days it's, it's more social media. Like we put a tweet up or we put a, a caption up on Instagram or we put a, a post up on Facebook or whatever it may be. And we want people to say, yes, you're right. Yes, I feel sorry for you. Yes, he's an asshole. Yes, she did wrong. And 
because we want that validation to justify our actions when we have a low sense of self-worth, when we're not really connected to who we are, when we know ourselves, when we, when we have self-gnosis, wisdom, self-awareness, self-realization, when we get who we are and we love who we are, when we appreciate who we are, we care for who we are, we're compassionate towards ourselves, we don't need that external validation. So therefore, we're not as easily influenced. You see, we set ourselves up like we might put a post on, she did this to me and she hurt me and I can't believe she took this action. And that's one side of a story or one perception. And then of course we're going to get validated by our friends who care for us and also want to be seen that they care for us. And so they're, they're going to support us. So then we get all this support, you know, 35 likes, a thousand likes, 728 comments, and we feel validated. And instead of actually focusing on the tension between the argument or the, the disagreement that we had with our significant other and what it can teach us and how we can grow from it, we look outside of ourselves to prop our ego up, to prop our sense of self-worth up. And that's, not re that's alienating our partner and it's alien alienating ourselves from the potential growth that's possible by dealing with it internally, by looking at ourselves first and saying, okay, I've been hurt here and maybe I've done some hurting too. How can I grow? What can I learn? How can we learn? How can we grow? Bring the emotional self down to a place of calm and peacefulness and spaciousness and then creative thought and problem solving can take place with respect to looking at the issue and how we can move through it as opposed to avoiding it. Because that social media example is a, is a, is a form of avoidance. We just want to be justified in our actions. We want to be justified for what we've done or what we've experienced. And that either comes from a victim mentality or a judge and executioner mentality because we want to judge our partner for hurting us. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you so much, Steph. Well, I definitely want people to know where they can find you because you have so much value to give. So, Steph, if you wouldn't mind telling telling the audience where exactly they can find you. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you can, my social media handles, Instagram or Facebook is Stephanos Sifandos, so S-T-E-F-A-N-O-S-S-I-F-A-N-D-O-S, -S 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 -S. a bit of a mouthful, that's why I spelt it out. Um, and my website is, at the moment, it's stephsifandos.com, but it will be stephanossifandos.com. I'm just in the middle of a brand change and so forth. So, but my social media handles are Stephanos Sifandos, and you can find me there, reach out. If you have any questions, um, interact on my posts, get involved. This is a global discussion. Uh, this is for all of us. It's all about how we relate to ourselves and each other. And uh, transforming that landscape is something I'm deeply inspired by. And being on your platform as well, uh, I'm very grateful for that too. Thank you so much. And everything will be down in the description for you guys below so that you guys can go and give him a follow. So thank you for shedding light on this stuff. I know it was something I personally needed myself. And I know a lot of my audience did as well. So thank you so much for coming on today. And I thank you, Kendall. Thank you so much.